Adam Schwadron had the dream of becoming a Missouri legislator for a number of years now. And that desire came true earlier this month after he won a hotly contested race in St. Charles County. The St. Charles Republican joins us on the latest episode of Politically Speaking to break down his contest and some of his priorities when he's sworn in in Jefferson City. Let's hit the music. This is the Politically Speaking podcast, the definitive show about Missouri politics. It's a little complicated in Bolivar because there is a Parsons family there. But we also knew that it was important to make sure that that we got to where we needed to go. You know if you walk in a room and you're getting ready to make a decision and everybody in the room looks like you, you need to stop. And right now what happens in the United States Senate is as critical as anywhere else in the country. I really want the state to succeed. We want everybody to uh, know that we're all working together. I just worked hard to try to build my name where I didn't have the money. And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, St. Louis Public Radio political correspondent, Jason Rosenbaum. Joining me in studio today He is the Missouri State Representative-Elect for District 106 in St. Charles County. I actually had to hold up his uh, Twitter account to make sure I got that number right. Our guest today is? Adam Schwadron. Thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, We're having you on the show for a couple of reasons. Number one, you ran in one of the most competitive state legislative races in Missouri. The second is that uh, you came up to me after a rally of the GOP statewide ticket and said that you really, really wanted to be on the show. So I, I am. And I said that if you won your race, you get to be on the show. So I'm a man of my word. And here you are. Um, so I want to get a sense of uh, a little bit about your background and your your interest in Missouri politics and, and what made you decide to run for the state legislature in the first place. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on. I have been a, a longtime listener and love the show. I have it on uh, subscribe on my podcast on my phone and uh, listen to it uh, religiously. Uh, but uh, so uh, I decided to run because it's it's always been a longtime interest of mine. So back in 2003, I had the tremendous opportunity to serve as a student lobbyist for the Associated Students of the University of Missouri and lobby on behalf of the 60,000 students in the UM system. So I was down in the Capitol uh, for that session where Catherine Hanaway uh, was serving as the Speaker of the House and the Republicans had just taken over and seeing the way things were done down there. um, I got my taste there and I knew one day eventually I would want to run for office so that way I could be down there and affecting change from the other side instead of as a lobbyist. Granted, it was a internship, but as a legislator this time. And um, my understanding is you're originally from St. Louis County, but like many people in St. Louis County, you eventually migrated to St. Charles. Am I getting that correctly, first of all? Yeah, I grew up in uh, St. Louis County, went to Ladue, Horton Watkins, um, graduated from there, went to St. Louis Community College Merrimack and then went to the University of Missouri St. Louis and moved out to St. Charles in 2007 and moved in with my then girlfriend, now wife, Elizabeth. And she just, when she lived here in St. Louis uh, or in the St. Louis area, she lived out here in St. Charles. And, you know, I never really thought I would be moving out here, but the way this county has grown 
and the quality of life it affords, um, it was a no-brainer for me. Yeah, there's been a lot of theories about St. Louis County and why it's become, it went from basically like a, a lean Democratic county to now to the point where it's like 60, 65 percent Democratic. And one of the theories is that a lot of more conservative minded voters have left St. Louis County and have gone to St. Charles, which it, again, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about this later. It's been a target for Democrats for a while, but it's they've never hit the target, probably because voters there just are not liberal enough to vote for any other candidates. What, what do you think of that theory? Do you think that the reason why St. Louis County Republicans have, have seen some decline is because a lot of people that used to live in St. Louis County have moved to St. Charles? Or is that just a hack-eyed theory from what you've heard? Well, it seems uh, the numbers support that. You take a look at the region as a whole, and we're not experiencing that much growth. However, out here in St. Charles County, uh, you take a look at the 2010 census to uh, what it will probably be uh, this upcoming census. And we've gained, I want to say, 40,000 people. And so you take a look at the region being flat. That shows a lot of movement from the areas that are losing, which are St. Louis County, to out here in St. Charles County, which is gaining, gaining. So, as I mentioned before, the the race to represent District 106 in the Missouri House was one of the state house races that was was seen as competitive. Um, Chrissy Summer was the the state rep for a number of years. She won it in a special election very narrowly, but had won it by increasingly large margins over the years. There's been some theories about why that's been the case. Um, some feel that like labor unions, which are a which are a reasonably sized force in St. Charles County, did not see her as a threat and decided to leave her alone. And that when she left, it was going to be a competitive seat for various reasons. So you were actually in the arena, so to speak. You weren't like just observing it from a 10,000 foot view like I just did. What was it like to run in a district that was targeted by both parties? Well, ordinarily, um, any other year, you're not dealing with the pandemic. So uh, definitely had to change the plan a little bit. But I had targeted this race to run uh, for a few years and was planning on it and you know, had a little change in 2018 when I ran for director of elections out here in St. Charles because elections are uh, a passion of mine. Uh, and we can get into that at another point. But out here in this district, yeah, you take a look at her numbers. She did come close to um, in that special back in 2011 against Paul Woody. I believe the margin was only 40 votes. Uh, but again, a special is completely different from any other race. And through the years, her win total has actually decreased. Uh, she was consistently getting over 60% of the vote in uh 2012, 2014, and then 2016, she dipped below 60%. And then 2018, she got her lowest margin, which was 57%. No, I'm glad that you mentioned elections, because um, I think that that's going to be top of mind for people in 2021. We we went through this uh, election cycle in the middle of a pandemic with a very different voting system that had been there in the past. Missouri does not have a no excuse absentee system. You have to put down a specific excuse. But this year, uh, the COVID-19 excuse was added, which doesn't have to be notarized and uh, I think was used pretty widely. And you also had this other option where 
Uh, you can you can request an absentee ballot for any reason, but it had to be notarized and had to be put in the mail. And some people felt that this dual system was kind of confusing. And I saw numbers that the mail-in option wasn't used that much. As someone who does have an interest in elections, would you want to maybe change this change system going forward to be a little bit less Rube Goldberg, so to speak, for, for Missouri voters? I'd be interested in your take on that. Well, yes, with uh, the changes that were made by the legislature uh, in order to accommodate people's concerns, um, considering this was done back uh, before the session ended in May, there were still a lot of unknowns and uncertainties with uh, how do we deal with an election during a pandemic. Uh, So the legislature did put the sunset on there, as you may be aware, but I think we will be taking a look at all the options available. Uh, I do hope to serve on the elections committee. That is definitely one of the committees I have requested. But as far as what changes we'll make, we'll definitely have to take a look at what has worked, what hasn't worked, what other states have done. Um, We take a look at that they're still recounting as a result of the mail-in ballots in other states. I think Missouri and St. Charles County did an excellent job with getting the vote done properly and accurately and timely. Yeah, if, if you talk with a lot of county clerks, and it doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democratic ones, I think that they would say pretty openly that this excuse-based absentee system is not optimal for a lot of reasons. Um, and I think that the one that, I don't think that they want to really say this out loud, but what has been said in the subtext is that People just select one of the excuses, and even if it's not true, just in order to be able to vote absentee. And there's really no way to find out if somebody really was out of town or really did have COVID-19 or really is immunocompromised. And in their view, it would just make a lot more sense to just say you can get an absentee ballot for any reason and then, you know, just kind of do away with this quasi charade that's been happening for many years. On the other hand, there are a lot of Republicans that don't want to go down that route for various reasons. Do you fall on any end of the continuum of that debate since this could be a discussion that people who are interested in elections have next year? Yeah, certainly. Um, I am a favor of early voting, but as far as having it out six weeks in advance, uh, you know, they say a week is a lifetime in politics. And so there are, unfortunately, sometimes some things that come out Uh, whether it's intentional or not, to be held for the October surprise uh, that may change voters' minds. I know I saw on Google people were uh, looking up, can I change my vote? Uh, So perhaps there was something that caused someone to want to change their mind. Uh, So as far as the length of time of early voting, I think we really need to examine what would be reasonable, what would be unreasonable, and then you know, possibly allowing county clerks and election authorities to have those remote sites, um, similar to what St. Louis County has done this year. But as far as the whole question of whether it should be no excuse or or an excuse, is that just going to have to be, you're going to have to see what election officials want on that before determining like where, what, what direction the legislature goes on that? Yeah. uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in favor of early voting. So if we want to get rid of the excuse, I'm open to that. Uh, If the clerks want to keep the excuse, which, as you pointed out, there's not really any good way to 
verify whether someone is truly out of town or not, uh, perhaps we do need to get rid of that charade. So let's go back to the election for a second. We talked about elected administration, but I'm going to jerk back to the election. Why do you think St. Charles has been such a Republican hotbed? Like, again, I kind of alluded to this earlier that Democrats think that they can gain ground there, probably because a lot of people from North St. Louis County that were in labor unions moved there. And there's an assumption that they're going to vote for Democratic candidates. But that just has not materialized. Like, I've, I've heard rumblings of Democrats wanting to gain ground in St. Charles since I started reporting in 2007, and this has just never come to pass. Why do you think that is? Well, as, as you are aware of the pattern of Northeast Missouri, and this just shows how often I do listen to you. You, you, are, you are definitely a listener of this show since you are, are referencing Northeast Missouri, but continue. Uh, So you've seen how Northeast Missouri has changed from voting primarily Democratic to voting Republican. You take a look, um, I want to say about 30 years ago, and this county would regularly vote for Democrats. Um, In fact, the um, long-serving Democrat judge, Ted House, is finally retiring. And so now our judiciary in uh, this circuit is going to be completely Republican. Uh, So I would say the people out here, the Republican Party just appeals to them more with um, the freedoms, the limited government, uh, the leave us alone uh, mentality, as I like to call it. Uh, Just let us live our lives. We'll pay our taxes. We'll send our kids to school. We'll work our jobs. But other than that, we're good. It it does also seem to help that St. Charles County has 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 not made some of the same mistakes that St. Louis County did. For example, it didn't bifurcate itself into 90 municipalities. I think that there are maybe a dozen and they're very large. They also didn't bifurcate themselves into like 20 school districts. And actually, St. Charles County Executive Steve Elman made this point, which I think is an astute one, is that they're large enough to have enough money to basically educate people of all socioeconomic statuses pretty well, because there are poor people in St. Charles County. But if they live in a school district with a lot of resources to deal with kind of the auxiliary problems of poverty, they're going to be a lot better off than if you're in a place in St. Louis County, which doesn't have that same setup. And this, just the fact that St. Charles County just seems to be better set up and the setup is is controlled by Republicans also kind of create this atmosphere where people want to vote for Republicans because they've been satisfied with them on a local level. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we got great school districts out here, whether you're talking Francis Howell, St. Charles, Fort Zumwalt, uh, all three of which are actually um, in the 106th district. Granted, Fran- Fort Zumwalt is a very small sliver, but still represent some people that attend those schools. And most of the growth that is occurring in St. Charles County is on the western side of the county. So, um, you know, Wentzville School District, I just, um, I also own a carpet cleaning business. That's what I was doing before and will still be doing. Um, But I was just out in Wentzville and saw the new high school that they're building out there. So they see what's happening and they're reacting to it. in advance of when they should. So the leadership out here definitely is attuned to what's going on. Uh, I saw the estimate is showing that we may be up to 500,000 people 
in another 10 years. So we need to just make sure that we're planning and uh, taking the necessary steps to accommodate that kind of growth. We'll be right back after this quick break with State Representative-elect Adam Schwadron. And we're back on Politically Speaking with State Representative-elect Adam Schwadron. He is a Republican from St. Charles County. So we talked a lot about elections and your elections, but I want to ask you and give you a little bit of free space to talk about what you're hoping to accomplish in the Missouri General Assembly. You are going to be part of a large Republican supermajority. And while you may not be able to pass everything that you want to do immediately, if you're there for, you know, the next four, six, eight years, you're going to have a lot of opportunities to accomplish some key policy initiatives. So what do you want to accomplish in the General Assembly's lower chamber? Well, should I be fortunate enough, I have requested to serve on the budget committee. And so if uh, the leadership uh, allows me the opportunity to do that, I would relish that, uh, sit on the committee and go through the state budget with a fine tooth comb, listen to the testimony of everyone and see if we can reprioritize our spending. Uh, So it's not really an issue that I go and file a bill per se, but sit there and find, you know, a million here, a million there. Next thing you know, you're, you're talking a billion dollars. And so we can reprioritize our spending. So that way we can focus on the priorities that we really need to as a state. Um, Another issue as a small business owner is we saw during the shutdown, uh, some of the suspension of some regulations that thankfully allowed businesses to operate during the pandemic. Uh, Without these suspensions, many of the businesses may have been forced to permanently close. Uh, So I question if we don't need these regulations during uh, an emergency, perhaps we don't need them at all. Uh, Take for example, the restrictions on alcohol to go. You know, say you wanna go get takeout from your favorite restaurant and they make a special drink that you like to enjoy with your meal, uh, you should be able to bring that home with you along with your meal, pandemic or not. I'm glad that you mentioned the COVID-19 pandemic, because when you enter the legislature, it's still going to be a huge issue, both from how it affects businesses and schools to how it affects state government. Because I've seen some optimistic news about a vaccine that may be coming, but it probably won't be widely distributed until the middle of next year. Uh, What would you like to see the legislature do on that issue? And I I asked that question knowing that a lot of the policy initiatives and actual actions is done by the executive branch. But I'm sure that this entire year has prompted some introspection about putting things into statute beyond just being able to get like a, a margarita to go that could be longer lasting. What, what, what's kind of your thoughts on that? Well, I would say the first thing that we will probably be tackling is the COVID liability. I know there was the call to have that taken care of during these uh, late special sessions this year. And as far as uh, other issues, I am one of the things that I said while I was running was that I want to listen to the people I want to gather as much information as possible and be able to judge from there. Uh, So I don't sit there and, you know, have my political dogma and stick to that 100 percent. I I will be willing to listen and say, all right, if this is an idea and we can work it in, perhaps it is an idea that we should. 
Yeah. And on the issue of COVID-19 liability for businesses, as of now, we're recording this on uh, November 11th in the late morning. It's not out of the question that the governor could expand the call and include it into uh, the special session. So I just want to make that clear in case that happened. You are a business owner. Like, walk me through something that you would like in place so you're protected from lawsuits from COVID-19 related things. Because on the one hand, I totally understand the need to have some sort of shield against lawsuits, because if, if someone just sues for no reason, I could understand that being very detrimental. On the other hand, I could see some extreme situations where a business is acting very irresponsibly, where litigation may be warranted. Where do you kind of fall into that continuum? Yeah, as a small business owner uh, with the carpet cleaning business, people bring me into their homes, into their business. And so I, of course, have taken the precautions to wear a mask while in other people's spaces. Uh, and of course, give them the option to say, would you like me to continue wearing this or would you prefer I not to? Because when you're cleaning carpets, you can work up quite a bit of sweat and those masks will actually trap some of the sweat. <laughs> it makes it very difficult to breathe sometimes. I know uh, some people will argue that, oh, no, you can breathe just fine. But unfortunately, I won't have the air conditioning or the fan always blowing on me every time I am cleaning the carpets. But, uh, you know. Going back to your point, I think businesses are looking to have that protection because they may take every precaution in the book, but we do have a litigious society. And so if someone finds out that they did get COVID and they were just at a location where someone else was just announced that they were positive, they may say, well, you gave it to me. Uh, but can you really 100% trace it back to that as the source. And so putting those protections in for the businesses, I think is something that we need to do. So let's talk about one of my favorite topics and that's redistricting and specifically congressional redistricting. Uh, we have spent, as I'm sure you know, since you're a loyal subscriber of Politically Speaking, uh, we've spent a lot of time talking about state legislative redistricting, which is not something that state legislators have a direct role in. They didn't have it when Clean Missouri was in place, they're not going to have it with Amendment 3, even though they can go to commissions or judges and make their best case. What you do have direct role in is congressional redistricting. And the reason I want to ask you about this is I've spoken with Senator Bill Eigel, who is a Republican from St. Charles, and also seen comments from Senator Bob Onder, a Republican from Lake St. Louis. There really does seem like there may be a push to include all of St. Charles in one congressional district. I, I would assume it would probably be the second congressional district, but it wouldn't be out of the question if there was an attempt to put it in the third, which is where Blaine Luke DeMeyer represents. As a St. Charles County Republican, what sort of things have you heard about this and what would be your mindset to putting your entire county in one congressional district? The, the idea that St. Charles would be in one congressional district is one that I favor. Uh, we would make up the lion's share of an entire con congressional district. And again, the population losses that we're seeing in St. Louis County and then St. Louis City, that first congressional district now has to move further into St. Louis County to take up more space. So now that pushes 
the second congressional district more into St. Charles County possibly. And I am also a proponent of trying to keep the communities together. So where we can keep counties whole in an entire congressional district, I believe we should. And of course there are counties out there like St. Louis County that have to be split up because they have more people than can fit in one district. So those are the areas that should be split and then whole counties, again, where possible, we should keep together. So I'm going to play a clip now from Senate President Pro Tem Dave Schatz. He is a Republican from Franklin County, which is in the third congressional district. Um, and I, I posed the same question that I posed to you to him about whether this is going to be kind of a, a, a rigorous debate amongst Republicans. Here is what he had to say, and then I'll have you respond to it. Third congressional district, you know, has a portion of of St. Charles in it. Uh, I think that there's going to be a concern, you know, on how that these these lines shift, uh, and potentially putting, you know, one a very very large uh, Republican dominated area in in one congressional district. Again, I understand their desire to want to have it that way, because uh, I, I feel you know very good about Franklin County being all all one county in in the third congressional district. Uh, so I, I get it, uh, but I also realize that there, they create some issues or some problems of moving some of what would be in the third congressional out and then trying to find out where that goes at that point in time. So, But I do think that that's going to be part of the interesting uh, concept of how we get to redrawing these districts. So uh, it, it kind of sounds like you know, when you listen to Senator Schatz, he's basically making a similar point to what you made because Franklin County is all in one congressional district. He clearly likes that. But I think what he's alluding to is that not everybody is going to necessarily agree with the course of action that St. Louis, St. Charles County Republicans want. Have you talked with anybody from St. Louis County or Franklin County or, or, or even like Lincoln County about what their desires are? And or do they kind of conflict with what you've just said over the last two questions? I have not uh, had the opportunity to speak to anyone from any of those other collar counties, but uh, I welcome the discussion and definitely will listen to what they have to say and uh, you know what reasons they would have for wanting to be in one congressional district versus another. But I still go back to trying to keep the communities together. So in the last couple minutes, as someone who has not started his legislative service yet, We've talked a lot about the politics of running for office. We've talked about some of the things that will be up for discussion. What are going to be some things as, as transitioning into the state legislative life that you're looking forward to? What are some things that people have told you that may surprise you about what you're about to experience? And ultimately, what, at the end of the day, what are you hoping that this experience of being a legislature brings to you from, from, a, from a personal standpoint? Well, growing up, I was uh, a Cub Scout and then a Boy Scout, and I uh, obtained Eagle Scout at the age of 13, and I even stayed in Scouts all the way up to 18. Uh, so the serving the people and doing a good turn daily has stuck with me throughout my life, and leaving a, a campground in better condition than when you found it. Uh, so I'm looking to going into the legislature and wanting to see how can I help? How can I put a mark on there that not only makes the 106th district better for it, but also the state of Missouri? And so, um, you know, the day after the election already went down and did the leadership vote at uh, one o'clock the next day, very little sleep, but still walking into the chamber 
And I stopped on the marble before I got onto the floor and I looked around, I took a deep breath in, breathed out, and then I stepped onto the floor for the first time as a representative elect. And it was a truly humbling experience, uh, especially for someone such as myself who has long watched floor debate, uh, committee hearings, listening to your show, and just being a part of the process. And so now finally being able to be one of those people, it's a very humbling experience to think about. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. We will have you back when you are actually a state legislator and can actually talk about what you're doing rather than what you want to do. But we're going to be having more of these shows in the next few weeks and months with the newly elected folks in Missouri, because it's good to hear some new voices on this show. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. How can people follow you on Twitter or any other parts of the World Wide Web? I am at AJ Schwadron on Twitter, although I am not on there as often as I should be. And then my website is adamschwadron.com. All right. This was something that you specifically wanted to do because you are a longtime listener of the show. What is the outro music you want me to include as I play you out? As a St. Louis kid born and raised, I'm going to have to go with a local band and uh, the urge. It's getting hectic. Here is the urge. And I have the urge to continue this conversation, but I'm going to cut it short right now. Until next time, so long. (laughs) 